Amen. Well, hey, grab your sermon notes and uh, hope you got your Bible this morning uh, to look. If you don't have one with you, you can use your phone. Just uh, get to John chapter 2. Now, if you're newer with us, then you may not have been walking through this series with John with us. Um, and I want to highlight a couple things that really relate to Easter Sunday and how we got here and what it really means. So if you didn't get sermon notes, if you slip up your hand, um, Leslie Leonard back there would love to run and give you that. Like the women running to the tomb, she will bring you sermon notes this morning. So somebody said, I just want to see her run. Is that all right? John chapter 2, let me read it. It's in your notes this morning, but let me read it uh, for you. And let's just set the context of why this is so impactful on Easter Sunday. Then the Jewish leaders asked him, Jesus is him, by what authority are you doing these things? What miraculous sign will you show us? And Jesus answered, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jewish leaders replied, it took 40 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it up in three days? But the temple Jesus was talking about was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he had said, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken, the word of God for the people of God. You remembered. Wow, I'm so proud of you on this Easter Sunday. So let's just jump into this and understand what's happening here. What you have is the religious leaders asking Jesus, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Like, what authority do you have to do what you're doing? Because you're being pretty bold. And Jesus says, this temple, which, I mean, they are at the temple when Jesus says this. It's not just them imagining what the temple, they're there, right? They know what it looks like. And Jesus says, just, just destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up. And they're like, what in the world? It took 46 years to build this thing. Do you see how magnificent this is? But Jesus was referring to something totally different. And even his disciples didn't quite understand it until when? Till today, till Easter Sunday, they got it. And it says they believed. That means they were followers of Jesus, right? They were disciples, yet there was an aspect of belief that became more real on Easter when Jesus rose from the dead. So let's just understand a couple things here. Let's understand temple, because what's the big deal to begin with here? If they thought they were talking about Jesus, if they understood Jesus was talking about destroying his own body, they'd have been like, we are on board. We will help you out, right? So what is this temple thing, and why is it such a big deal? 2 Samuel 7-2 puts in a little context. David's talking. He says, look, I'm living in a cedar palace. David's saying, look at this this." big palace, this mansion I live in, but God's chest is housed in a tent. The tabernacle was still in existence. The traveling tent where they put the Ark of the Covenant in, and that symbolized kind of the home of God or the presence of God. In fact, we think sometimes the presence of God was housed there. That's not what it meant. They thought the presence of God would go out from there. That was the center place, and the presence would go out from that place. And David's like, I live in this mansion, and God's in this tent that's in shambles, and that's exactly what it was. They constantly had to be repairing the tent. And so David takes under this task of putting together a temple. And God says, David, now your hands, 
you, you won't be the ones that, that do it. But your son, your son can complete the temple. And that's exactly what happened. If you want to read about that, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, you can read all about that. The temple served as the center place to worship God. Once the temple was created, that is the place, the center place you would go and you would worship God. Get this. They would think about going to temple. They would think about it as this, coming home. So they would leave their home where they lived and they would trek to the temple and they would worship God in the temple. And that act of coming to the temple to worship God was like going home, even though they had a home they lived in. That's how significant the temple was for them. It was everything. Now, some dangerous thought uh, kind of perked up. As it happens sometimes, when they would go to temple, they actually started to think God was housed only in the temple. And he was kind of like confined to the temple. And that became a problem. Take a look at 1 Kings. God gives Solomon a little speech. If you or your sons turn away to worship other gods, I will remove my hand from Israel and do what? I will forsake the temple. In other words, Solomon, if you think I'm tucked away nice in that temple and you can just go out and kind of live however you want and do whatever you want and worship whatever you want, you need to understand, I will forsake this whole temple. I'll destroy it, which is actually what eventually happened. So God can be worshipped at the temple. It is like coming home to worship God, but he is not confined to the temple, which is good news. God goes out with us, his presence everywhere. So that's their understanding of temple and some of their even dangerous thinking that God corrected. The temple became the place you bring offerings. You bring offering before the Lord. Every festival that you would need to leave wherever you lived, your home, go to the temple, you would go home, leaving your home to go home, you would bring offerings, some form of offering. didn't matter what the festival were, it was, the festival of tents or Purim, or now we're talking about this week, Passover. You would bring your offering to the Lord. And at Passover, the first thing you would do is you would bring a first fruits offering. Before a sin offering, before you would bring something for remission of sins, we've talked about that before, you would bring first fruits. Now, this is not a new concept if you've been walking through John with us, but just for the sake, let me, let me explain. When you brought your first fruit, it means you brought the best of what you had to offer. If you had cattle, you brought like the best, right, of that. But maybe you had something else. Maybe you brought the best of grain. Or maybe like you were a servant and you didn't have any of that and you brought the best of something you might actually have. And so that was what the first fruits uh, was. And the first fruits symbolized this. You were offering yourself to God. If you brought your very best, your first fruits, it was like I'm bringing myself to you and offering myself to you, God. If you just grabbed anything, right, you just went down in the basement and anything you could find, you said like, hey, we'll take that. Yeah, hey, give the church or give the youth ministry that tube TV. It just sits down in the basement, right? Not first fruits. But the offering of yourself, that first fruits, your best, that's how they understood that. That's how Passover would be kicked off. 
this week, this holy week we're talking about, bringing first fruits or bringing yourself. In fact, there was provision that if you had nothing to offer, if you literally, you were poor and you had nothing tangible to offer, you could stand in front of the altar with just yourself and God would receive that. He would receive it. So the temple's main purpose was a place where people could go and offer themselves to God. The main purpose of the temple was that. But this wasn't happening. This is what Jesus constantly critiqued about. He constantly got on the religious leaders about. Because he said this is a place where people should be able to offer themselves to God and receive from God. To be blessed by God. It's like this. If you came in this morning hurt, broken, caught in addiction, in struggles in your life, maybe in the grips of a sin, maybe something you don't even realize is destructive to you, and I spent an hour on this stage railing against everything like that and never really offered new life that Christ can offer, what, what life would you go away with? That's what Jesus was critiquing. That's what Jesus was saying was really happening. But people weren't allowed to offer themselves and to receive from God. So when they ask him this question, Jesus says, destroy this temple in three days and I'll raise it up again. A couple verses later, but the temple Jesus was talking about was his body. You gotta understand this. The temple is replaced as a place of offering by Jesus. The temple is a centerpiece. I've told you before how important the temple is. It is so important that there was a time where a Roman statue was going to be erected right in the courtyards. And instead of seeing that happen, the Jewish people came out in the streets in front of the Roman garrison that was bringing this, and they bowed and they stuck their necks out saying, take my head before we let you put a secular pagan idol in our temple is that important and jesus is claiming to be greater than the temple jesus is saying the purpose of temple to bring yourself and offer yourselves i'm now that purpose you can come to me and offer yourself to me and guess what i'm not just going to heap on you i'm going to offer you new life I'm going to offer you what you don't have. I'm going to offer you healing and comfort. I'm going to bring restoration to hurting relationships. I am going to offer that to you. Jesus is replacing what temple is supposed to offer. Listen, we got to understand this. This is good news. Come to me. Offer yourself, and I'll give you new life. Jesus is saying this all the time, right? You remember the miracles in the, in the New Testament? You probably could rattle off a couple just from memory, even if you can't remember where they show up. Listen, you got to think of miracles. It's not just Jesus healing for healing's sake. He's not just healing so that somebody has healing or a miracle is done. He is not doing a miracle simply so somebody would look on Jesus and go, wow, he can do even that? I'm on board, I believe. Right? Those things happen, but that's not the reasons in and of themselves that he did it. Every miracle 
that we see is a representation of what Jesus came to offer people. Jesus heals the blind person. It's just, Jesus is saying, I came that I might open your eyes to really see who God is and what God has to offer your life. He healed the paralyzed man. As if to say, I came that I might give you legs that you might walk in God's ways. He raised Lazarus from the dead. As if to say, look, look, I came that I would give you new life, even those of you who are dead right now, spiritually dead even, that you would have new life. Every miracle is a representation of what Jesus came to offer. And this was not being offered in temple, not by the religious leaders. You know, Jesus still offers that today to you. Listen, if you've been a believer a long, long time, it's easy to sink into this mode where you don't receive the life Jesus has to offer. Most of the people that Jesus interacted with, even after miracles, were already understanders, uh, or people who understood Jewish law, the whole Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, very, very well. But they had lost sight of what new life was offered in Christ. And so Jesus reminds them. And I remind you today of what Jesus has to offer. Then the church, the church is a place to offer yourself to God. And he'll always meet you. The purpose of the church is now what was supposed to be in Jesus' day, the purpose of the temple. It is to allow you a place to come offer yourself to before God and to find healing and care, life, not judgment. That is what the church is here for. And that's the invitation. Lord, this is me. I know I'm a bit broken. I know I maybe don't look as sharp and good as I once did. I know I'm hurting. I'm curious maybe in some things. I'm struggling in belief in some other areas. Lord, I'm prideful at times. Lord, this is me. Would you receive me? I give myself to you. That's what this place is for. To come in and to receive. It's not to be wowed or entertained or all those other things that sometimes we have turned church. It is a place to come and to offer ourselves to the Lord. Here's a takeaway, a couple questions for you this morning. One is this. What are you currently offering yourself to? Like, look at your life. If you're not sure about what you're offering yourself to, look at your calendar. Look at your schedule. Look at your time. Broaden it out and say, what is your family offering themselves to right now? How's that going? What's the return been like? We offer ourselves to all kinds of things. Some heavier in some seasons than another, but we offer ourselves to all kinds of things. The second question, what would prevent you from offering yourself today to Christ? To kind of re-upping that or starting anew or starting brand new to say, I offer myself to you, God. I offer myself. And then comes this time where you really just have to sit back and listen and let God speak to your heart. Sometimes our kind of American contemporary way is to say, I offer myself to you. 
And then church ends, and I walk out the door, okay, what's next? And I move on with whatever life, like almost like that was compartmentalized there, and now I'm off to do all my other stuff. But what would prevent you from offering yourself and carrying that offer into the next thing that happens in your life? You may interact with that thing differently today. And if you spoke honestly, that may be exactly what needs to happen in your life that you would start to interact with the circumstances and processes of life different because you've offered yourself before the Lord. And then, if finally, uh, this last question, and, and maybe you're already plugged in, but what would prevent you from getting plugged into church? Whether you're sitting here, whether you're watching online right now, what would prevent you from getting plugged in to a place whose number one priority week in and week out is to allow you space where you can come offer yourself to the Lord. It's why we craft the services like we do and why I speak about what I do straight from the word because I just want to offer you space that you might offer yourself. What would prevent you from getting plugged into church weekly, regularly in this type of sacred space? Could you imagine if Jesus rose from the dead, he did, and the disciples ran to the tomb and celebrated it. Said, that's awesome. High-fived one another, right? Said, man, Jesus, you did it. We, I, we, like, we didn't get it, but awesome. Good on you. And then they just went their own separate ways as if it didn't happen. Wouldn't that sound crazy? Let's not walk out and do that in our own lives. Let's embrace resurrection. Offer ourselves to the Lord. Say, Lord, here I am. And then walk out of here letting that offering interact with everything before us this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Um, thank you from rising from the dead. We thank you that, Lord, from a theological perspective, this has never happened in religions. It's distinct and so different. But we thank you that there is life-giving, practical reality behind it that is, is way past even the theological. It is real, and I can experience it. But you are a God who just said, I am offering, I am offering, I'm offering. Will you receive? Will you receive today and offer yourself over to the Lord? Lord, this is me broken and all, I'm yours. And let him now speak to your heart to work in you, to even transform you into what he's always designed you to be. We pray in your son's name. Amen.